Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Well, it's Friday, Dan. Yeah, we love Friday. Friday's always nice. I get a little bit of the weekend off. I'll be doing Judge Janine's show Saturday night, Fox and Friends Saturday morning. But after Judge Janine's show... Um, I usually take a break with the family. So last night was interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting at, uh, am I, did you hear about this? So I'm sitting on my couch and I'm doing some show prep for the next day, reading John Solomon's story in The Hill, uh, which is, again, just terrific. Solomon's work uh, in the show notes today. I'll be getting to that in a minute about the, what we'll call the pivot on the case, which is uh, critical. And uh, I hear my name on television. I'm like, I've heard it before. I mean, I don't mean to sound like a pretentious jerk, but... Sometimes not in a good light. (laughs) And I'm like, what's that? (laughs) And it's the Trump speech in Montana. So uh, I don't usually mention a lot of that stuff, but I thought it was funny. He gave me a shout out. I don't know if you heard this speech, Uh, but he's like, and there's all these bad books out there being written. And there's great books. You got the book by the judge, Greg Jarrett. And Bongino, Bongino. I love this guy. And my wife's like, my wife's putting my youngest daughter to bed. My uh, uh, my six year old, right? Yeah, and she runs in. She's like, "Did he just say your name?" I'm like, "Rewind that." And then my daughter, who was taking a shower, I'd, runs out of the <laughs> a bathroom. Is like, "Did he just say your name?" <laughs> that is bigly, dude. That is really oh, bigly, bigly, yeah. bigly. Oh, dude, you, huge. I was huge. like, he's the best. I love this guy. I'm telling you, it was so funny. I couldn't believe it. Thank happened. you, Mr. Um, President. Yeah, you're a good man. We appreciate it. All right, I got a lot to talk about. I want to start uh, first with yesterday. Some more histrionics in this hearing, and how Cory Booker just absolutely humiliated himself yesterday in the hearing. Hey, look. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> it, rem- it reminds me of uh, of Clueless, the Alicia Silverstone movie from the 90s, as I said on my NRA TV show yesterday. Um, and I'll cover it again today. When Alicia Silverstone can't get the name of the movie right, she's watching it with this guy, and she's like, and he brought over this movie, Sporadicus. This, it, that's who he was. I am Sporadicus. I mean, what a joke. Uh, Booker just totally stepped in. So I got some sound from that. All right, uh, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Big fans of Brickhouse, one of the best products out there for your long-term health. This is a commitment to your long-term health, is Field of Greens. Field of Greens is a fruit and vegetable powder, but it's food. It's food. It's real food. Now, there are a lot of these fruit and vegetable supplements out there. Oh, take a pill. Do this, do that. A lot of this <laughs> stuff is crap. A lot of it is extract. This is real healthy fruits and vegetables ground up into a pleasant tasting powder. A little blueberry tinge, a little raspberry tinge. I enjoy it. I put it in orange juice. I put it in green tea. The product is called Field of Greens. We all know voluminous consumption of fruits and vegetables is the key to long-term cognitive health, your physical health, uh, This is and your well-being. No doctor's going to tell you otherwise. This is your fruit and vegetable insurance. It is called Field of Greens. Take it every day. I take it twice. I'll go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Try Field of Greens. I personally vouch for this product. I love the product. I've never felt better since. It's called Field of Greens. It is healthy, life-giving fruits and vegetables. Go give it a shot. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up Field of Greens today. Okay, before we get to the Solomon story and um, the Take It East angle, which is coming together, I told you some t- to chill on some stuff, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Cory Booker yesterday, in a hysterical moment in the Senate, that is, that is uh, I-, I thought it was a comedy act when I first heard it. Cory Booker comes out in the morning. Cory Booker's a Democrat senator from New Jersey running for president. He's like, I am prepared to break the rules right now in front of everyone. He's like looking at the camera, knowing he's running for president. Like, Joe, I'm going to break the rules. Is the camera on me? Do I got the makeup so, on? Say it again. Am I too say shiny on my forehead? <laughs> yeah, say it again. Exactly. One more time. Uh, does someone got one of those clean and clear oil wipes for my face? How do I look? How do I look? Let me say it one more time. I'm prepared to break the rules in the U.S. Senate to release this Brett Kavanaugh, of course, Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee in the hearing, to release an email on racial profiling. I mentioned it. It happened during the show. 
we went on yesterday, if you listen to yesterday's show, and everybody knew I was just like, oh, oh my gosh, Joe, here it is. Heroic Cory Booker running for president 2020. He's got his makeup on. He's ready to go. He's looking straight in the camera. He's ready to release an email on racial profiling that's classified in violation of Senate rules. Here it is, Joe. As he, as Cory Booker said later, it's his I am sporadicus moment. Here we go. And everybody's waiting. Joe, in one of the most hashtag epic fail moments in human history, number one, Booker didn't even read the email. If he did, he's really dumber than we think. <laughs> the email is Kavanaugh saying he prefers race-neutral policies, not racial profiling. So, so Booker, let me get this straight. Yeah. <laughs> Muttley to the rescue. Cory Booker, who's running for president 2020, got the makeup ready to go, ready for the camera. Here it is. Here it is. Here's my moment. This is going to be my, how dare you, sir? This is going to be that, right? This is going to be my, you can't handle the truth moment. He's just, we have this racial profiling. Everybody's like, what? And the email is Brett Kavanaugh. The classified email is Brett Kavanaugh saying he would prefer race-neutral policies. I'm like, oh my gosh, this head meet the desk. Now, it, that's one prong of the two-prong epic fail Cory Booker attack yesterday. As if he couldn't humiliate himself enough by exposing this dastardly email about racial profiling that suggests that Kavanaugh does not support racial profiling. <laughs> you gotta read it. It says that I quote, I prefer race-neutral policies. Booker starts this big hullabaloo in the Senate. I've just violated the rules. I, one, by the way, if you're a rule breaker, you don't tell people you're a rule breaker. I have, I am a rule breaker. Yeah. I have violated. This was classified information. We find out only minutes later that the information was declassified hours earlier and Cory Booker already knew. <laughs> Look, I'm a rule breaker. I'm a rule. Now, listen, when you're a kid, you're always desperate to question authority. Mm-hmm. I even had a, a, a bumper sticker on my car. You always want to be the James Dean walking down the lonely road. You know, uh, in the old days, they had the cigarette dangling from the fingers when it was still fashionable yeah. to smoke, which was idiotic in and of itself. You know, the convertible drop top, the James Dean flowing hair, right? Dude, not only was this an email indicating Kavanaugh does not support racial profiling, but secondly, it wasn't even in violation of the rules. He goes through this whole thing. I am about to break the rule. Everybody, look, look at this. I am I'm a rebel. I'm a renegade. <laughs> I'm a rebel with a cause. Now, he gets discovered oh, again only minutes later that this wasn't even a violation of the rules. It was a desperate PR stunt that blew up in his face hysterically. He's going to be embarrassed about this forever. So even the liberal media catches on to this. Now, I, I, I don't like uh, putting on CNN, but. Uh, This is an interesting interview I've cut into two one-minute clips. This is Cory Booker getting called out on this this ridiculous uh, uh, nonsense, uh, you know, audition he was putting on for the American people. And to be clear, Anderson Cooper is questioning about who's going to question him about. Hey, did you know that this email? was unclassified because you made a big deal about it being classified and you breaking the rules of releasing classified information at the Senate. Are you following me, Joe? Just so we're clear before this cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Booker is saying, I have an email indicating something about racial profiling and I'm going to violate, I'm going to violate the classification of this email and expose it in the Senate. Number one, it wasn't about him supporting racial profiling. And number two, it wasn't classified. He wasn't even breaking the rules. It was all an act. So play part one. This is Anderson Cooper. It's about a minute long. Calling out Cory Booker. And he has no answer for the... And listen to the desperation in his voice to sound like, I'm a renegade. James Dean, here I come. This morning you said you were going to break Senate rules so you could release documents pertaining to to, to Kavanaugh. You said you were willing to risk expulsion from the Senate. To do that, now Republicans on the committee have said that the documents had already been approved for release before 4 a.m. this morning. Senator Cornyn basically ah. accused you of a political stunt to bolster a possible run for the presidency. Was that just a stunt? Well, I mean, the amusing thing about that is what Cornyn first said is he threatened me. He threatened me with expulsion, said what I was doing was unbecoming to the office I was holding. It's a deep insult for a senator to give to a senator in an environment with his lots of collegiality. And he was doing that because last night I broke the Senate rules by reading from that email. And then today, throughout the entire day, this is not just about one email, I've already released over 20 committee confidential documents in violation of what they say are the Senate rules in which Cornyn said I should be expelled for. 
So according to Cornyn's rules, it's a lot of talk, a lot of bluster right now. I am breaking the rules. But I was raised and taught that an unjust law, you almost have an obligation uh, to stand against it. So I am violating those laws. I have been doing all day. And it was an unjust law. You see, there's no consequence. They will not move to expel me from the Senate for violating the committee confidential rules. And I will continue to do so because I believe the public has the right to know where he stands on these issues. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy is a total embarrassment. I mean, he should resign from the Senate tomorrow in disgrace and never surface in public and political life again. What a complete, total embarrassment. That's, there's another minute to that. I'm going to play it in a second. But a couple of takeaways from that. He's called out by Anderson Cooper. For a fake PR stunt, ladies and gentlemen, his office was notified that the email he was about to release in this big stand was not in this in this big show was not classified. He knew and he did it anyway. So when he's called out, what does he do? Booker in classic fake phony fraud politician fashion has to refocus. So he goes, I was threatened with expulsion from the Senate, dude. You just put on an act in a show and lied to everyone. Do you care to address that? I was threatened with expulsion. Look, I was taught to stand up in the face of these unjust rules. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, these are the exact same guys. These clowns, these frauds, these Democrats up on Capitol Hill. These are the exact same people threatening the Republicans and Donald Trump. That if they dare unclassify portions, and I'll get to this in a minute, the FISA warrant spying on Donald Trump, that there will be hell to pay because this would be a strict violation of the rules and a violation of the trust of the House of Representatives and the United States Senate. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the exact same people. The exact same people arguing that the Republicans should not declassify stuff. Cory Booker's arguing that his fake rule breaking, which didn't work, will now be followed up by additional rule breaking to prove he's really a rule breaker. Do you hear what he said there, Joe? He's like, oh, because he got caught. He got caught in an obvious PR stunt. So what does he say? (laughs) Instead of acknowledging that it was a PR stunt and being an honest person, which Booker is no longer capable of, which is sad because at one one point this guy was considered one of the more reasonable Democrats. He's now become a joke. Um, It's it's a farce. The the whole thing's a joke. He's a joke. Um, Like I said, he should resign in (laughs) disgrace and never surface again in public life uh, just off this embarrassing, humiliating episode. But here's why. It's not just that he tried to break the rules and failed and got caught. It's that when he gets caught joe he doubles down and says no no now i'm really gonna break the rules real rebel <laughs> now i'm a real rebel now i'm gonna get out i'm gonna t- put the drop top down uh, he's bald Dude. so he doesn't have any hair but i'm gonna let the wind flow through my hair and i'm gonna let them film me on camera being a real rule breaker now now so it's, just to be clear on this he gets caught not exposing classified information as a publicity stunt. So he says in response to Anderson Cooper, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to double down and release really classified information. And we're supposed to somehow respect this guy? You're a disgrace. You're a disgrace to the U.S. Senate. A total embarrassment. Now, uh, clown show... Clown Show 2, Eric Swalwell, appears on Fox uh, this morning. Some of you may have saw. I nearly nearly choked on my coffee. Swalwell's on Fox Fox News this morning. And Eric Swalwell, clown Republican congressman from California. Clown. He's a clown. That's what he does. The guy's a clown for a living. He acts for the camera. (laughs) Bozo the clown. He juggles for everybody. That's what Eric Swalwell does because he's a joker. And by the way, I know people who know Swalwell. Swalwell knows what he's doing is a lie. Swalwell's not stupid, which makes him even worse. He doesn't actually believe a lot of what he says on TV. He's a fraud, too. Swalwell goes on TV this morning and goes, and Donald Trump attacking Cory Booker. This is clearly an example of racism. Oh, racism. Whatever, dude. You're a joke. You think that that's going to stick. You're ridiculous. You know, Cory Booker's an idiot. Cory Booker screwed up, got caught, got screwed, screwed up twice, by the way. Screwed up twice, got caught, and in a response to getting caught, threatens to release more classified information to the public while simultaneously fighting against the release of classified information on the Trump FISA documents. They're all frauds, folks. They're all phonies. All right, play part two of this as uh, as it gets even worse for Booker because he clearly has nowhere to go, and even CNN realizes this guy's a joke. Was it really a violation? Because at this point, I mean, to be clear, Bill Burke, the President Bush's presidential record representative, said he cleared the documents before 4 a.m., per your staff's request and that they had told you you could use them publicly. Grassley's office also confirmed you were told that the restrictions on the documents had been waived 
before you spoke today. So how do you square that with the idea that with what you've said? Well, I square that very easily. Number one, last night I broke the rules before they even then they scrambled to release the document. But I continue to release documents. I've released 20 so far that they have not cleared. I am breaking the rules. I am breaking a sham rules. 20 documents. If you check my Twitter feed, anybody in the public now can have access to the ones that they wanted to hide. If they haven't cleared those yet, maybe they're rushing to catch up to me and clear those as well. So the ones you talked about today, though, earlier, had those been cleared? And did you know those had been cleared? Uh, again, when I broke the committee rules last night, those documents had not been cleared. Folks, this is so pathetic. It is so pathetic. I don't even... I, I mean... We're all dumber for having her. Remember uh, what is Billy Madison, the Adam Sandler movie? We were all dumber for having heard this. Yeah. This is so sad. But it's I, this is why I wanted to cover. And that's just a you know, I, I try to stay away from things. I don't think I can add something to. And this will be all over the news today. But I want the reason I brought this up today. I didn't say it in the opening is because this speaks to a larger, larger problem within the far left radical movement, which I'm going to get to here. Um, but I just want to bring up something else. He's doing it again. No, no, look, I swear, I swear I broke the rules. Look, I'm a rule breaker. Look, I'm a rule breaker. Senator Grassley, the chairman of the committee, just so you know, folks, weeks ago, asked the, the congressmen, on, uh, excuse me, the senators on both sides of the committee. This is, this is a fact. This is indisputable. To earmark any classified documents they wanted unclassified for the purpose of the hearing. Weeks ago. One senator responded, Amy Klobuchar. She responded with, uh, with 12 pages, which was subsequently declassified. You know who didn't respond? Cory Booker. Because he's a fraud. Because he's a complete, total fraud. He did not want this document declassified in advance. He wanted to make a show about it. So when they beat him to the punch and declassified it and told him before the hearing, he decided to go on with it anyway to make a big show to look like a rebel. I'm a rule breaker. Folks, this speaks to a larger problem. You know, I know, Joe, it's hard to believe. He's a real Ed, Edward Snowden here, you know? Yeah, he thinks he, he's trying to be. He's trying. That's what he, he's trying to, like, garner that radical far left, um, you know, kind of... Uh, <laughs> Look, hey, look at us, man. We're rebelling against the man kind of thing. Um, but it's not working. But that lead, I'm glad you said that because it leads me to a bigger point. You know, I was yeah. sitting in a, outside of a pool once in Severna Park. It was a gym, and I used to take my daughter uh, to swimming practice at this gym. It used to be Big Vanilla. It's yeah. changed. Not that you care. But I'm sitting there. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm reading this book by Fred Siegel, which is a really good book about the history of the American left um, and the radical American left. And there's a point he makes in the book that's a really... He makes it eloquently, but it's an elegant point. He says the problem with the radical far left today, and which is epitomized by this disgraceful episode by Cory Booker. Look, I'm a rule breaker. Um, is the United States, Joe, is such a wonderful, successful, prosperous country, not without faults. I think that's obvious to anyone who pays attention. Of course, any country of human beings is going to have that. But we are such a wonderful country that's accomplished so much. I mean, our biggest problem when it comes to food supply, I mean, Joe, Food, water, and basic supplies have been a problem throughout human history. Starvation yeah. was a problem up until the development of capitalism, free markets, and the constitutional republic and the rule of law. The biggest problem we have in the United States is obesity. Like, people eat too much. That's one of our biggest health problems. We have been so successful that Siegel's point is that these radical far leftists who are knee-deep in emotion, Joe, not in facts about where we are now. They're knee-deep in emotion are indoctrinated from an early age into this idea that freedom and liberty in the United States is the problem. But what happens is the real world doesn't marry up with that. So there's this there's this dissonance, right? You've been told from kindergarten on how crappy the United States is, your college professor, how crappy the United States is. We're imperialists, we're greedy capitalists, but that doesn't correspond to what's going on in your real life. Please follow me. I mean, I'm not going to spend too long on this, like but it's a very, very yeah, important this, point. This makes sense. I hear you. And Cory Booker's not dumb. Cory Booker knows there's this sense of alienation. There's this sense of looking for a fight. There's not a fight out there, so we need a fight. The Democrats and the radical far left have been told from kindergarten through college, uh, in movies and everything, that the United States sucks. But it does in no way corresponds to their real lives. Their real lives where they wake up, they hit their iPhones, they turn on the TV, they drink their, their soy lattes, they go to Starbucks. They don't feel their life physically sucking. They don't. 
So they have to look for the suck. They have to seek the suck. So what they do is they endlessly search for new problems and evidence. It is the very genesis of the victimization culture. You see it over and over. You see it with episodes of, of, uh, of Islamophobia that turn out to be hoaxes. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, that there are people out there who, who have, uh, who have uh, ridiculous, stereotypically negative uh, beliefs about, uh, about uh, Muslims, Arabs, Persians. Of course that happens. There's a society of fallible people is going to have its idiots. Right. But they need you to believe this is a problem on a mass scale. But it's not. So it describes this endless search for new victims in an effort to make you believe that you're a warrior for a cause. And that warrior for the cause is you're fighting against this army of negativity that's coming at you. This racist negativity, misogynistic negativity, this xenophobic negativity, this anti-immigrant negativity. But it doesn't exist. So there's endless ways for them to search for it. That's the genesis of a lot of these hoaxes you see. A lot of this stuff where you see, there was a... There was this episode of, or you see like a lot of this, this, uh, this racial stuff. And a a lot of it turns out later on to be a hoax. Most, you know, sadly, a lot of it's real, but see my, my point here is that this, not that this doesn't exist. It's that the United States has, has made leaps and bounds in its fight against racism, both institutional, de facto, and de jure. We have come from Jim Crow to a relatively harmonious society, thankfully with isolated incidents of stupidity. But isolated incidents of stupidity do not feed into the narrative that you are fighting the man. Uh, I hope, please tell me you're clear on this. You're not, if you go in fighting the man and you're 670 pounds and seven feet tall and you're fighting the man and he's a five foot two, 120 pound weakling, nobody celebrates that fight. They're like, you beat him up, dude, you're, you're six foot seven, 600 pounds. You just beat that guy up? Why did you beat up that little guy? <laughs> oh, what do you mean? I'm not a hero? No, you're not. They, the thing is, they you, you see what I'm saying is they have to pump up the little guy, the isolated incidents, and make them seem more pronounced to make it seem that they're in the fight of their lives and they're fighting the man. They have to build up the man before they can fight the man. And in order to build up the man, they have to constantly find new victims and they have to constantly find new heroes against their cause. Booker's not stupid. Booker fully understands that there is this this there's this pot boiling over negative energy directed at the United States just to sum this up that does not correspond to reality. They are constantly looking for a fight against the man. But the man, as they're describing, it doesn't exist. So they have to pump up the man with inflated exaggerations about mass epidemics of Islamophobia and other things. It's also inflated by opportunists like Booker and Elizabeth Warren out there. We're fighting the man. We're rule breakers. Look at us. We're fighting. We're breaking the rules. I'm expulsion from the Senate. I'm, I'm sacrificing my job here. It also parlays into the whole Kaepernick story. They can't find episodes of systemic oppression, systemic, meaning the system is weighted against you. They can't find it. African-American unemployment's at historic lows. Hispanic unemployment at historic lows. Female um, unemployment levels at levels we haven't seen in 40, 50 years. They can't find it. So they have to make up sacrifices. Cory Booker's sacrificing on the Senate floor. What did he sacrifice? He made it. He didn't even break the rules. And then when he got caught, he decided, no, now I'm really going to break the rules. Knowing he knows nothing's going to happen to him. Because what did he see have? He has idiots like Eric Swalwell who will immediately go on TV and say, hey, the release of classified information attacking that. That's racist because Cory Booker's black. What? Are you insane? Are you on narcotics? Narcotics? Remember that Lethal Weapon movie? It's smuggled narcotics. Are you on narcotics? <laughs> Dude, are you okay? Do you need a detox? Are you okay, Swalwell? Does someone need to provide this guy with an intervention? Nobody cares that Cory Booker's black. Only you care. But uh, Colin Kaepernick, sometimes you have to sacrifice everything. What? This guy sacrificed nothing. What did he sacrifice? He turned down a contract. The guy was a quarterback uh, on the Niners when they were 1-11. and 11. 
What did he sacrifice? He just got a multi-million dollar deal from Nike. Well, are you, sacrifice? Are you, are you to be taken seriously, Nike? And Kaepernick, this guy sacrificed? You're talking to a generation of people, some still alive in their 90s, who stormed the beaches of Normandy. You're talking to a generation of people, whether you agreed with the war in Vietnam or not, who went overseas to a foreign country, eaten alive by mosquitoes, uh, crawling into tunnels, chasing the Viet Cong, coming home without their limbs, coming home in boxes. And you're talking about a sacrifice of a guy who makes millions of dollars to, to, to piss on the national anthem? I mean, are you serious as he celebrates Fidel Castro? And donates money to the, uh, to the organization in the name of a cop killer? This is a sacrifice? Are you kidding me? It's a sacrifice only in a generation of people and kids who have been brought up that America sucks. But America doesn't suck. So they have to find ways to make it suck. And this is what they do. An endless search. To, we're fighting the man. The man's a five foot, 120 pound weakling. What are you talking about? No, no, no. He's real. He's real. Let's make it up. Does someone have steroids for him? Does someone, could someone give him platform shoes? Give him stilts. Give him something. Make him look more impressive so we can kick his ass. <laughs> this is embarrassing. But that's the in Siegel's book. I'm sorry, I went, but this is important. See, this is in Siegel's book. This is important. This is what he brings up, how this started in the 60s. This approach by elitists to constantly find new causes to make people believe America's hell on earth when it's not. Now, we've made significant, notable, fact-based progress since the 60s it doesn't mean racism doesn't exist it doesn't mean homophobia or islamophobia or whatever you choose to call it doesn't exist it means these problems thankfully in this wonderful country are isolated and the scale of the response should be as such when we see isolated incidents we deal with them where they happen and when they happen and we clean up the mess we don't have a spill in aisle four and burn down the whole freaking grocery store Spill it out for burn it down. You understand this is the liberal response. This and 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 Cory Booker's the arsonist. He is the one pretending to be the hero. We're gonna burn down this whole place because we spilled a, a jar of beets in Al Four. Oh man, it is frustrating to death listening to this just constant litany of stupidity we are all dumber for having this yeah i watch this every day and i think to myself in in pure disgust how the founding fathers must seriously be looking at what's happening in in total complete embarrassment that we have elected this group of idiots up on capitol hill to make decisions every single day in, uh, every single day that will have a deep and profound impact on our life. If space aliens were watching us right now, they'd be saying, wait, let me get this straight. You elected these 100 senators and 435 members of Congress to make decisions that will impact every single person who lives in this landmass. You all call the United States uh, and, and, and Hawaii. Yeah, that's outside of the uh, of Oakland, Oak, uh, you know, and uh, outside of the continental United States there. And we have Alaska up there. So yeah, I'm watching these space aliens from above. So you have these 50 states. States, you know, 52 if you're Barack Obama, right? You have these 50 states and you elected these 535 people. Surely, surely people of Earth. I can see them. Surely people of Earth. These are the brightest among you. And then they go, well, and the people of Earth say, Mr. Like, remember V, they're lizard people? You say to the yeah, lizard yeah. people of V, right? Remember that movie? Yeah. With, I, Michael, was it Michael Ironsides? Was he hamming that thing? Oh. So yeah, you say to the lizard people, you go, tell you what, we're going to give, we're going to let you observe these 500 and 35 geniuses among us. The lizard people come back and they go, people of Earth, are you sure you made the right call with these 535 people? These people are idiots. You feel stupid. <laughs> you, you, you watch this every day. And you're like, what did we do? Now, granted, I, you know, some of you respond and say, well, we elected them. I, I didn't elect them. I didn't elect them. And our politics become so pathetic that you get people whose heart is actually in the game who don't want to do it anymore. Sorry, me being one of them. I just don't. I think I can make more of an impact than the outside. It's not a, not a, not, it's not that my fight is gone. My fight's just a different one. Ugh, my man. Idiots. My man. Thanks, boy. Yeah. It's just, it's, it is, it's, it's very, very um, frustrating. 
All right, I got other news to get to, especially on the Take It East front, which I know a lot of you get frustrated with me on the Take It East front. Um, and just to be clear, I'm not suggesting this should absolve Jeff Sessions of any responsibility. He is clearly, the, the uh, recusal's been a misstep. I think there have also been some missteps recently. But I have been encouraging you for months to please, please be patient. There are things going on. Now we have some additional proof. Things going on in the Justice Department. I'll get to that in a second. All right. Today's show brought to you a new sponsor. Hey, what do your jeans say about you, Joe? I'm not talking about your blue jeans. I mean your actual jeans, hmm. your genetic code. What do they say about you? Do you know? No, I don't. I haven't no, talked with well, them Well, you should. Mm. Well, you're going to because you're going to go to 23andMe oh. and you're going to check it out, Joe. I didn't even tell you. Uh, 23andMe is a DNA testing service that can offer insights into your ancestry, ancestry, your health, wellness, and traits. The 23andMe Health and Ancestry Service includes reports on how your DNA can influence your weight, sleep quality, caffeine intake, sense of taste, whether you're likely to be lactose intolerant, which I am badly, and more. It's easy to do. You simply spit into the tube provided in your 23andMe kit and mail your saliva sample back to the lab to be analyzed. The bitter taste report and sweet versus salty reports. You can get one of those. DNA can play a role in determining your food preferences. Do you know that? What do your genes say about you? Wouldn't you like to know? Sleep reports. This one's important. The deep sleep report tells you if you're more likely to be an especially deep sleeper. The sleep movement report tells you how much how much likely how, how excuse me how much more likely you're to be to move during your sleep based on your DNA. The lactose intolerance report sheds insight into how your genetics may affect your ability to digest dairy products. It's really cool stuff. Order your 23andMe health and ancestry service kit at 23andMe.com slash Bongino. Now, just to be clear on this, that's the number 23andMe, A-N-D-M-E.com slash Bongino. That's 23andMe.com slash Bongino, 23andMe.com slash Bongino. But it's the numbers, 23andMe.com slash Bongino. Check it out. You really dig it. It's pretty cool stuff. All right, folks. Fired up today. Dude, I- I'm loving this show, man. I <laughs> am you. loving I know, it. I can tell him see you. I know when Joe's into it because he sits back and just takes it all Damn, in. Yeah, baby. Um, so yesterday, uh, reported the show notes today from Fox News. Please, please read it. Um, it's important. If you missed in the Cory Booker nonsense and all the other histrionics up on Capitol Hill, uh, the, the, ex- the explosive new report that a grand jury, we've now found out, a grand jury has been impaneled and is looking into... Andrew McCabe, number two with the FBI during the entire Clinton email debacle and the Trump investigation, a guy who is knee deep in all of this and knows everything. He had one boss in the FBI, and that boss was James Comey, and their stories don't marry up, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody is lying. Now, you know, I've been taking a beating in my email from a lot of you, and I, I don't mind the feedback. I, I, I put my email out there for a reason. But I've been stating to you for a very long time that there are reliable people out there who have been indicating that we all need to kind of take a step back when it comes to the justice on this, on the Clinton email case. That was the whole genesis of the Take It East shirt, right? right. Take It East. Now, again, I am not a, a Sessions apologist. I play the information as it comes to me and comes out by the day. But I, I'm i not going to be naive about what's going on either. Ladies and gentlemen, the key part of this Washington Post story about this grand jury now investigating uh, or issuing subpoenas and uh, interviewing witnesses for Andrew McCabe is not a small story. Why? Let me give you a quote from the Washington Post. Federal prosecutors, Joe, have for months been using a grand jury to investigate McCabe. This is not new, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the Washington Post makes various attempts to minimize this story, saying, well, federal prosecutors may just have impaneled this grand jury um, in an effort to investigate Andy McCabe. That way, when they absolve him of crimes later on, they can say, look, we used the grand jury tools to do it and nothing happened. Folks, I, I absolutely disagree. Now, I want to be clear on this. If the investigation, regardless of how much I dislike what Andrew McCabe did, and believe me, I dislike it a lot. If the evidence shows later that Andrew McCabe was not guilty of a crime, then he's not guilty. I'm not a police state tyrant like the left. He deserves a fair hearing like everyone else, and I think a lot of you agree. Now, if that hearing uncovers evidence that Andrew and McCabe did in fact lie, let's be clear what they're investigating. They're investigating 
1001 charges. Andrew McCabe, even though he was the director of the FBI, was interviewed by Federal Agents Show about leaks to the media about the status of the Clinton email case Mm -hmm. and other leaks as well. McCabe's story is that Comey knew about it. Comey's story is that he didn't know about it. But what he told the federal agents was not true because he came back and changed his story later, according to multiple reports. You get where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. This is about lying to federal agents about leaks. If McCabe, if it's determined in this grand jury through witnesses and others that McCabe did lie, then ladies and gentlemen, McCabe absolutely has to be prosecuted. And although I've told you again, be patient. I'm not asking you to be stupid either. If it turns out later that this grand jury uncovers that he lied and he's given a pass, we got a real problem. Because who wasn't given a pass, Joe? Mike Flynn, who was charged with the exact same crime, lying to federal agents, even though the FBI stated he wasn't deceptive. And George Papadopoulos, I'll get to that in a minute, who they claimed lied about his interactions with Joseph Mifsud. Remember, Papadopoulos nor Flynn, neither one of them was charged with collusion because collusion is not a crime, but they weren't charged with conspiracy either. They were charged with lying to federal agents. All I'm asking you, again, I'm asking you to be patient. I'm not asking you to be stupid. We now know, according to this leak, please read the story of Fox News, that this grand jury has been impaneled and that McCabe is being looked at. This is not a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Just a quick thing on grand juries. They're obviously not juries. They're they're called grand juries for, uh, for a reason. Grand juries in... They had a grand jury in the Eastern District of New York when I worked there as a, as a federal agent. Um, I don't remember when exactly it sat, but I think it was the first Friday of a month. I'm not sure. But when you go into a grand jury, 18 to 23 people or so, you'll go in. It is very, very difficult for you to screw up in a grand jury if you're a federal agent. (laughs) You basically walk in, you're talking to this 18 plus people, right, Joe? Mm -hmm. And there's no adversarial hearing. In other words, the defense attorney's not allowed in. Right. So you you don't lie, obviously, but you're going to present your best case. If you got Joe for felonious mopery, you're going to make your felonious mopery case and Joe doesn't get the fight back. Henceforth, the statement you see commonly uh, bandied about that in a grand jury, you could indict a ham sandwich. They issue a true bill, an indictment. Now, an indictment leads to an arrest warrant. I say that because uh, this is important, uh, Joe, because the Washington Post is trying to play this down. Like, oh, you know, maybe Republicans are just doing this to cater their base. Folks, I don't know what's going to happen in this grand jury. I'm just telling you it's not a joke. If if, If the prosecutors are doing their job, which I think they are, And they are walking into that grand jury that's been there for months. This is not new. I told you you're not wasting your time here, folks. I've told you. uh, Some of you think I was was making this stuff up or something. Like I had nothing better to do to lie to you on my podcast. I told you stuff was going on. If a prosecutor walks into that grand jury and does his job, I find it highly unlikely that Andrew McCabe's going to get off. I want to bring up one other point here. I am reasonably confident based on our research here, I am supremely confident that Andrew McCabe is not the only one being looked at. Folks, there are a lot of people here who are were involved in very serious leaks of devastating national security information, including the leak to David Ignatius of the Washington Post um, about the Mike Flynn unmasked call business with the, uh, with the Russian ambassador. Andrew McCabe is not the only one. So, again, I'm not asking you to be stupid. I'm just asking you to be patient. Let's wait to see through this election. Let's wait to see. Let's wait for a couple. Let me give you an actual metric because it would be unfair for me to ask you to be patient and not give you a timeline. Let's see what happens with McCabe. We now know that leak is out there. Let's see what happens when I.G. Horowitz issues his report on the Russia stuff and the Russia probe. Remember, that report's not out. You may say, well, Dan... Didn't Horowitz already issue his report on the on the Clinton email stuff? They did not issue a full conclusive report on DOJ malfeasance and the swapping of one case for another. He even gave us some hints in his last report that when he couldn't remember in, in Horowitz's last report, the inspector general. This is very important. Yeah. He says in his last report, he could not eliminate bias as a reason for scrapping the Clinton email probe by the FBI and jumping right into the Trump investigation. Yeah, I-, I believe that was a wink and a nod. That report has not been issued. And let's see what Huber, John Huber, the 
United States attorney assigned by Jeff Sessions to look into this whole thing. Remember, he's not the inspector general. He has the inspector general, Joe, does not have subpoena power. Right, right. The, uh, and, and the power to impanel grand juries. Huber does. Yeah. So let's see what Huber's got. If it fails after that and we get nothing out of it and people get off when they shouldn't have, then it's time for us to double down. But I don't want to engage in, in uh, and, and, and get everybody riled up for nothing. I think there are things going on. So that's good news. Read the story in uh, the show notes today. It's, uh, it's important. Um, okay, uh, moving on. Uh, another must read at the show notes today. Please go to Bongino.com. We sincerely appreciate you going there and checking this stuff out. Another story by John Solomon, which just knocks it out of the park, and it talks about the pivot. What's the pivot? I've insisted to you for weeks now that John Solomon Joe knows the whole story. He writes for the Hill. I I have not spoken to John lately. I haven't seen him since I think CPAC. Um, I have not in any way coordinated any of this with John. But John's pieces at the Hill, if you read them carefully and you understand this case like I do, and many of you do from listening to me, I share everything I have with you, even the stuff that was in my book mm-hmm. I released a little early. If you read it, there are clues in there, and he slowly leads you down a road. Now, last week, when we were talking about John Solomon's appearance on Hannity, I'd said to you that he was leading us down this path, Joe, that there was a major pivot in the operation to spy on Trump. Now, if you listen to episode 800, I described plan A, plan B, and plan C. I'm going to tie this up for you in a second. Don't worry. I described to you plan A, which is appearing more and more likely by the day that NSA databases and queries into those databases were abused by people and contractors. We know this from disclosures by the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court that NSA database queries were being abused possibly for political reasons. Very simply, plan A against Trump team, let's use the databases we have now. But those aren't supposed to be used for politics. Let's use them anyway. They got caught. Mike Rogers shuts it down. They move to plan B. Plan B is the setup. When Rogers shuts down the use of these databases to be able to search for information about the Trump team that they can use for political purposes, they don't give up, Joe. They say, now we need a preliminary investigation to open up on the Trump team through the FBI. That's plan B, and we're going to set this guy up. I believe plan A within plan B. Uh, now, not to let, let's go. Let's call it Plan B, subsection one. Okay, just to make it simpler, yeah, right? Okay. So Plan A didn't work. They got shut down querying the databases. Right? They moved to Plan B. The FBI setup. Plan B has a couple parts itself. This is in, a lot of this is in the book too, Sue. In case you're confused. Subsection one. We've got this guy, Papadopoulos, right? He's a Trump foreign policy advisor. We know that because Trump said his name at a meeting with a media outlet, the media outlet, the information got out. We know this guy, Papadopoulos. We think he's weak. We think we can nail him to the wall. By the way, Papadopoulos will be on Jake Tapper tonight. Papa D is going to be on Jake Tapper. Uh, we're all looking to see what he has to say there. First TV interview. Uh, good job by Jake getting nailing that interview down. Uh, you should have come on here, Papadopoulos. We're the one who's been defending you. What's come on, man? <laughs> Seriously, right, Joe? Yeah. You've only been defending this guy. He was set up for what six months now. Yeah. I love Jake, but you, you know, you go on Dapper Show first. Come on, man. Come on, this show. This is where we. This is where the hard work's been done. Um, so plan, plan, plan B, subsection one is let's set up Papadopoulos. Solomon's piece shows that there's a pivot at some point, Joe. That this Papadopoulos thing does not work out. Now, this is where it gets hairy. So just to be clear what we're talking about, plan B is this setup. They're going to plant information out there about Russian emails and stuff. They're going to hope the Trump team scoops it up. And then they're going to hope that when the Trump team scoops it up, they talk to one of our spies about it so we can indicate that they're colluding. They go for Papadopoulos. But this is from the... Oh, this is from the Solomon piece. At some point, they realize the Papadopoulos setup is a total dud. He meets with this Maltese professor, and something happens that doesn't go right there. Let me just read from this. This is really interesting. From the Solomon piece. The discovery is one of several key pieces of evidence emerging in recent weeks that explains how the FBI probe 
pivoted suddenly from looking at the conduct of Trump advisor George Papadopoulos to consuming a document now infamously known as the Steele dossier. So he's setting us up here. Keep in mind, he knows a lot more, Solomon, and you'll get more in the coming days. Solomon's saying now that they try to set up Papadopoulos. They're into plan B. It's not working. So they have to go to subsection two, which is, hey, we got this British spy with a dossier. Let's use that. It goes on. The FBI formally opened the Trump campaign probe, codenamed Crossfire Hurricane, on July 31st, 2016, based on an Australian diplomat's claim that Papadopoulos, a young Trump campaign foreign policy aide, appeared to have prior knowledge that Russia had derogatory information it planned to release on Clinton. Agents feared Papadopoulos might be looking to create contacts in Moscow to gain access to that Clinton dirt. Again, subsection one of plan B. Let's get Papadopoulos. Oh, oh, listen to this. Oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh. Solomon sources. But multiple sources tell me the FBI soon received information now considered highly classified that undercut the theory of the Papadopoulos case. Only what we've been saying for the last six months. One source described the evidence as, quote, indisputably exculpatory while another said the information quote put the predicate used to start the case in reversal he probably meant to say reverse what (laughs) what the are you getting how profound what solomon's now formally putting and listen i'm not an investigative reporter folks yeah I'm not. I pride myself on putting out what I know. I'm not claiming to be. I don't want anything to do with the. I'm not a journalist. I'm a guy who who was a federal agent who simply uses his expertise to get to the facts. We've had sources like anyone else. We've done research like anyone else. I'm telling you and I'm a hat tip to Solomon because he seems to have a real insider on this. But what he's saying and confirming and please read the piece is not new news. What he's saying is devastating. That the FBI was involved in this investigation of Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos later gets arrested in November, later on, by Mueller's team, despite the fact that they have evidence about Papadopoulos that's, quote, indisputably exculpatory. They don't say that may have indicated that he was not guilty. They had evidence that was kind of a little bit light. The, the source tells him in a direct quote, the evidence against Papadopoulos is indisputably exculpatory, meaning it's not even in dispute that Papadopoulos did nothing wrong. Do you understand? Why, George Papadopoulos, why are you taking this plea? Why are you taking this plea? They have evidence that George Papadopoulos was arrested for nothing, for nothing. Now the whole thing is coming together in plan B. Plan B, the setup of the Trump team. Let's go for Papadopoulos. They don't have him. The FBI source tells John Solomon, in no uncertain terms, that their planned setup of Papadopoulos on the Trump team doesn't work out because the evidence doesn't only indicate uh, lightly that he's a colluder with Russia, it indicates he's not colluding with Russia. Now does it make sense why Christopher Steele, Joe, becomes so, so important? Mm. Joe, your goal here, if you're this FBI agent yep. and these FBI cabal of people that were targeting Trump, there's no doubt now they were trying to take down the Trump operation. No None. Nope. They need to set this guy up. The setup didn't work. Now they're in desperation time. And who comes to the rescue? Bruce Orr. Bruce Orr, his wife, is working at Fusion GPS, the company that hires this guy, Chris Steele, obviously to put together this fake dossier. Bruce Orr and Nellie Orr, Joe, incredibly, I mean, let me read this to you. This is from the Solomon piece. Uh, before I read this, though, I want you to keep a date in mind. The date crossfire hurricane, the formal FBI investigation into Donald Trump's team, Opens up is July 31st of 2016. Don't forget that date. Now, here's some account Solomon has in his piece 
about an interesting meeting that occurred on a very interesting date. Christopher Steele met with Bruce Orr and Orr's wife Nellie in a Washington hotel restaurant for breakfast. That third contact occurred July 30th, 2016, exactly one day before the FBI and its counterintelligence official, Peter Stroke, opened the Trump probe officially. Folks, I mean, uh, this is just astonishing stuff. I mean, this is a, a, a scandal so disgusting and ugly and such a scar on our republic that you have to put horse blinders on to keep yourself from seeing what's going on. They try to set up Papadopoulos. It doesn't work. The evidence they have against him, it, it, it exonerates him. It doesn't convict him. Bruce Orr then fills in this hole. They need information. They still need to spy on Trump. They're going to try this FISA warrant now. They clearly didn't have enough with a FISA to get a FISA on Papadopoulos because as the FBI source tells Solomon, the evidence they had exonerated Papadopoulos. Well, we got Bruce Orr. Bruce Orr is over at the DOJ. Well, is he involved in this crossfire hurricane case? No, but his wife works for Fusion. They have breakfast with this British spy working for Fusion while Bruce Orr's wife's there in D.C. He makes a call to Andrew McCabe. He calls McCabe, the number two at the FBI. I'm looking for one specific quote here. Hold on, folks. I'm sorry. He calls McCabe at the FBI. This is critical. I took a screenshot of the piece and I just uh, I can't find it. Well, leave it at that. He called right in that time frame, right after he meets, right after Bruce Orr and their wife meet with Christopher Steele the day before the case. They're in contact with Stroke and he calls Andy McCabe at the FBI. This relates back to the grand jury probe of McCabe. McCabe should be forced to answer immediately. What the heck was mentioned on that phone call? What was on that phone call? Did Bruce Orr, whose wife was paid tens of thousands of dollars, to work for this company that was ginning up fake information on Trump. Did you push this number two with the FBI, Andrew McCabe? Did you push him to start this FISA now on Carter Page using the dossier because your Papadopoulos case fell apart? Now, is this making sense, Joe? Big time. The Papadopoulos case falls apart. Right. They need ore. Or connects them to Steele. Steele connects them to fake information about Carter Page. They use the information about Carter Page to get a FISA. Now, one tie-up here that I that I missed, but it's still important. Mm-hmm. You should be asking an obvious question at this point. You should be saying to yourself, well, Dan, what's the exculpatory evidence, indisputably exculpatory evidence, that exonerates Papadopoulos? And if George Papadopoulos, if the information against Papadopoulos indicated indisputably, to quote the FBI source, that he was not guilty, how the heck did he get arrested? Folks, let me tie it together for you. The evidence against Papadopoulos at this point, the indisputably exculpatory evidence, is probably a source the FBI was working with at the time who knew full well what happened at that April meeting with Sud, the Maltese professor who told him about the Russian uh, emails. By the way, Sud denies this. I can't say that enough. I'm giving you the FBI account. I'm now reasonably confident that the FBI had a source that knew full well what happened at that meeting. And in a debriefing of that source, Joe, what do you think they told the FBI? This guy, Papadopoulos, isn't interested in these Russian emails. He just wants to set up a contact between the the Trump campaign and Russians, which would not be illegal at all. Political campaigns meet with foreign governments and foreign people all the time. There's nothing illegal about it. Now, conspiring to overthrow an election would be an illegal would be an illegal activity. You see, Joe, please tell me you understand this because this is critical. We're good, brother. The 
The exculpatory evidence is most likely an FBI source who knew full well about the Papadopoulos meeting, who probably told the FBI, this guy doesn't give a crap about colluding with the Russians on an email thing. He just, he's trying to get his name uh, built up within the Trump campaign. He's trying to set up a meeting with the Trump team and some prominent people to do some chess puffery. Bye, Plan B. Goodbye. Bye, Plan B's like, yeah, thank you. Now they have to move on to Carter Page. They don't have anything. That's what the exculpatory evidence probably is. It is likely an FBI source telling them this guy doesn't want these emails. He doesn't care. Matter of fact, if you read the Papadopoulos prosecutorial documents, it's clear as day that's what happened. Papadopoulos says it's in the charging documents. Yeah, I didn't think this guy was a big deal. I just thought he was trying to pretend he was someone important with contacts. He says it. He even indicates it. There was probably an FBI source already giving them information on that meeting. They knew this Papadopoulos case was crap. So why is he arrested? They interview him in 2017. By the way, they wait six months. Six months to interview. Now, Joe, they're still in plan B. Mm -hmm. So plan A, subsection one, go after Papadopoulos. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. Papadopoulos is Mm sidelined. Now does a six-month timeline make sense? Mm -hmm. They're like, scrap it. We have evidence that that's not what Papadopoulos is doing. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. They then go to Carter Page, Mm -hmm. to the FISA on Carter Page, which is in the Carter Page information, Joe, Mm -hmm. is in the dossier. The Carter Page and the dossier are one and the same when it comes to the scandal. Mm -hmm. The dossier is about Carter Page and Cohen. A lot of the other stuff is BS. The stuff that matters for the FBI malfeasance is that it's about Carter Page. They moved to Carter Page, Joe. Why would they go back to Papadopoulos six months later to interview him in January of 2017? Because plan A, subsection two doesn't work out either. They're like, now we're back to subsection one, Papadopoulos. Let's interview him. They interview him. Folks, they still get nothing out of the interview except some confusion on when he spoke to this professor. They then go speak to the professor in February. Nothing happens. Subsection one still doesn't work out. So why the panic to arrest Papadopoulos later on in November? Because that's the same day Bob Mueller's team finds out that the inspector general has all the texts of the FBI investigator in the case, Peter Stroke. There are texts we haven't seen yet, folks. There's things we haven't seen that I am telling you lay this whole thing out. Somebody reads these texts, sees in there that it's the language, even though it's coded and some of us probably don't understand, not coded in like a in like a code talker way, but coded in a way to be cryptic enough that we don't get it. Somebody who does get it reads this right away and says, we got a problem here. They realize plan B, subsection one and two were exposed. They have to shut Papadopoulos up ASAP because once these texts are exposed, Papadopoulos can't go running around talking. Now they go back to the January interview. They go, hey, I think he mentioned something about a date. And it was wrong. Let's lock him up for lying. I've got it. Let's go get him. They go to the airport and lock him up the exact same day, folks. The exact day that the texts are exposed. And they do it after he meets with a guy overseas who suspiciously hands him $10,000. This guy, by the way, who has suspicious connections himself. I want to know what his relationship to the FBI is. Was Papadopoulos being set up? He comes back to the airport. Papadopoulos doesn't have the money. He leaves the money overseas. Smartest movie ever made. He doesn't come back with the money, so they can't get him on some money trafficking nonsense or anything. Was that a setup too? They threw the kitchen sink. They had to go back to subsection one of plan B because the Carter Page thing didn't work out months later. So they throw the kitchen sink at Papadopoulos. Someone give this guy money overseas. Maybe he'll come back into the United States and not declare it. That's how we'll arrest them to shut them up because these texts are going to be damning. It's going to reveal plan B, subsection one and two. Papadopoulos will start talking to the press. Here comes Mueller. Clean up an aisle four. <laughs> Bob Mueller, please. Paging Bob <laughs> Mueller. Bob Mueller, the cleanup artist. That's what he does. Bob Mueller's not there to investigate Trump. He's there to clean up the mess. Mueller comes in, locks up Papadopoulos. 
threatens him with uh, all kinds of nonsense, says, hey, Papa D, you better shut up. But Papa D's not going to shut up for long. He's on Jake Tapper's show tonight. Let's see what Papadopoulos has to say tonight. Now, one last thought on this, because I want to make sure you understand what's going on. Solomon leaves it again. (laughs) When Solomon says, Joe, there's growing confidence that something's going to happen, what he's really saying is, here's what I know what's going to be in my next piece next week, okay? He knows. I'm telling you he knows the whole story. Final quote from him. There is now growing confidence that the FBI's sudden pivot from Papadopoulos to Steele was driven by several individuals, all with serious political baggage. Listen to this. Page and Stroke exchanged text messages about their desire to stop Trump from becoming president. Steele admitted he was desperate to keep Trump from the presidency. Orr's wife worked for the firm hired by Clinton to find dirt on Trump. And McCabe's wife was a Democratic candidate in Virginia whose campaign got hundreds of thousands of dollars of electioneering help from Clinton ally and former Virginia governor Terry McAuliffe. Folks, you understand now why the grand jury impaneled to look into Andrew McCabe, who knows all of this, is so incredibly critical? Do you understand now why the FISA warrant The fourth FISA warrant, the last one, after all of this has happened, that's why this is the most important one. Do you understand, Joe, now why that exposing that fourth FISA warrant is so critical? Mm -hmm. Because it's the last one. All of this stuff has already happened. The interview of Mifsud, the interview of Papadopoulos, the collapse of the Papadopoulos case, the interviews between Christopher Steele and Bruce Orr. This information should have been in the FISA. The information should have been in the FISA or should have been disclosed to the judge. Hey, these people all have serious motivations to go after Donald Trump. Do you see now why getting Andy McCabe to flip is so important? Things are going on behind the scenes. Let me sum up one last thing. And by the way, when Solomon says there's growing confidence that this was entirely a political hit job based on, that's coming. Absolutely coming. If you listen to Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan, who are deeply read in on what's going on, they've been hinting at something too. It's because they've seen a lot of this. Here's what's going to come out soon on the declassification process and why it's so devastating. When and if these documents are declassified in the coming days or weeks, Joe, notice Mark Meadows, Congressman Meadows and Congressman Jordan keep saying the same thing over and over again. They keep saying we need to see the 302s along with that fourth FISA. Remember, the fourth FISA is critical because it's after. In other words, if it's the first FISA, the FBI is an excuse. Well, they didn't interview Papadopoulos yet. They didn't know this. It was a mistake. Our bad. (laughs) The fourth FISA, they knew everything. That's why they keep asking for the fourth FISA. Jones and Meadows, give us the fourth FISA. Declassify it. Let us see what's in it. Or, pun intended, let's see what's not in it. Now, why are they asking for it in conjunction with summaries of Bruce Orr's interviews with the FBI that had happened before that fourth FISA, otherwise known as 302s. That's the formal name for the summary reports. Because Joe, Bruce Orr has already admitted in congressional testimony that the dossier was uncorroborated hearsay. He's already admitted that his wife was being paid by the same company that put together the hearsay. He has already admitted in testimony that Christopher Steele, who put together the hearsay, was, quote, desperate to see Trump not get elected. And we already know that Hillary Clinton was paying the company that did all of this. You tracking me? Oh, yeah. What I'm trying to tell you here is if those investigative summaries, those 302s, interview summaries, have all of this information in there about his wife, about Christopher Steele, desperate to not get Trump uh, elected, how the information's basically crap and uncorroborated hearsay, and the dates of those summaries are before the fourth FISA. 
And that information was not disclosed in a court to spy on American citizens? That exculpatory information? Holy crikeys, do we have an international crisis on our hands, folks. You've got to learn how to read between the lines on this. Put it all together. There's a reason. Meadows, Jordan, Devin Nunes have been asking for months to declassify simultaneously the FBI summaries of their interviews with Bruce Orr and the FISA warrant that happened afterwards. Because if the information in those 302s does not correspond to that FISA warrant, ladies and gentlemen, we got a really, really big problem on our hands. Now, I know some of you are going to email me. Nothing's going to happen. It's happening. Why do you think there's a grand jury looking at McCabe? I know some of you get Spygate fatigue. Don't. Don't. I promise you the fun is just starting, folks. More to come next week. I promise you. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, it's a great man. week of shows. Thanks for all your support. I really appreciate it. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.